Hey now, what's going on? Coming to you live from the front yard. I don't have any time to rake leaves, as you can see. It's really hot out. It's like summer, fall, or fall, summer. Or is it winter now? Because it's November. I can never tell. You may be wondering, where is parts two and three of the Erie Vaughn interview? They're up already, but they're only available for Patreons and YouTube members. So if you'd like to hear Erie and I discussing the misfits in depth, go and sign up for the Patreon or become a YouTube member. You don't have to stay if you don't want to. Sign up, check out what you like, and leave whenever you feel like it. Doing so is a great way you can support all of this endless free content that you get from this channel. Fucking guys talking when I'm trying to do my little commercial. The fuck? What's this nonsense now? When you divide $1.38 or $6.66 by all of the hours and hours of content on this channel, you're getting it for nothing. It's like fractions of pennies. Other great ways to support the channel? Buy a cup of coffee. You could do so from links down in the description below, or you could subscribe or share this video or the channel with a friend. Thanks again for dropping by and watching my videos. I really appreciate the viewer support. Peace and air grease. Um, I believe we were talking about Sam Hain. You mentioned why things didn't work. DC Supergroup doesn't work. Let's talk very quickly about the ridiculous elitism around the pronunciation of the band name Sam Hain. Because if you watch any any videos on YouTube about any information about this band called Sam Hain, you will always find somebody in the comments um, trying to correct you with the real name is actually pronounced Samhain, which is like the Celtic original way of saying things, when in fact every member of Samhain calls the band Samhain. Was there ever a time in the band when you guys were first starting that you were calling the band Samhain? Yeah, interviews and stuff, we used to say that. We, used, But it, that was just part of educating the people. You know, um, Glenn mostly. It was The interviews were usually just me and Glenn or just Glenn. So, um, yeah, he told me that's what it was, what it was. And he said, but it's too confusing. So we're just going to call it Sam Hain the way it's spelled. And I said, that's fine. You know, it doesn't, well, you know, whatever you want to do. I mean, it, I liked it better than as a band name than Samhain. I didn't want to have to go around telling people, yeah, what's the name of your band? Oh, it's Samhain. You know, they're like, what? It's not like, you know. Uh, it would have been if I was in a metal band and I was going to name my band, you know, one of those crazy, but you know, those crazy metal bands that you, you can't tell what their name is because you can't read it. You right. know, one it's... of those. It, yeah, I, that would have been okay. If I was sowing and painting my face and burning churches and stuff, that would have been fun. But, you know, that wasn't, that was, that was too much. Yeah, you get that whole thing of like, well, it's pronounced sowing. And it's just that and the other thing. You got to either get the Wiccans out of there, or it's just these punk rock kids who think because they're fifteen they know everything. You know that's just all it is. <laughs> there's there's one Sam Hain video. I swear, some guy did a Sam Hain video. I swear to God, it's there's about there's there's like you know I don't know there's like five hundred comments and about a hundred and fifty. I was like scrolling down because I just wanted to see. I couldn't get over it. It was like a hundred. 150, 200 comments are just the same thing over and over again. Let's pronounce Sam Hain, not Sam Hain. Um, 
ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you got to get a li- get a life, bro. You don't have to scroll all the way down there just to read a bunch of stupid <laughs> stuff. Like I, I told you, you I'm know. a nerd. I'm a misfits nerd. I'm a I'm a misfit Sammy Danzig. Yeah, you got you know that's just one of those things. I got a one of the best pieces of advice somebody ever gave me, and I can't remember who it was. Said that you must remember when I was first getting on. You know, I was on MySpace and I was on Facebook when it first started. So that was a long time ago. And somebody said, you got to remember, some people are going to be on here just to piss you off and going to say things just so they can because they get a kick out of it. Plus, they get, you know, it gives them attention. And he said, you're also going to be arguing with a lot of 15 year olds (laughs) they're talking about. And and everyone served me well all these years every once in a while i see a comment that actually bothers me and i gotta stand back and go wait a minute this kid is like some 15 year old kid from wisconsin who's never done anything probably never will and doesn't know what the hell he's talking about don't lose any sleep over it you know right but sound advice sometimes 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 it's really it's very you can't read. You can't read the reviews. You know. I mean, I I go on things and I somebody says, "Oh, here's a video you probably haven't seen." And I was like, "Holy shit, I haven't seen this. So I want to go look." Then, of course, there's comments and stuff, and I'm like, "Don't look at them," you know. So I don't. You know, it's really hard to do, though. I bet. I bet. Everybody, everybody wants to be liked except me. Right. You know. Right. So, I don't care. That's why. That's why I tell you. That's why punk rock was perfect, and that's why I think Glenn and I got along back then. It was because we didn't care. If you didn't like us, we don't like you right back. You know, and that's what happened for Sam Hain. Like when we went out and everybody was crying for the Misfits, we were like, "Well, you should have seen the Misfits when they were a band. How about that?" You know, like you, you weren't there. That's why they're not a band anymore because they couldn't afford to stay on drugs. You didn't come to these shows, you know, or whatever. And um, uh, so they would say, play faster. And we'd be like, fuck you. We're going to play another slow one. You know, Glenn loved that shit. He was just, want to hear a fast one? Yeah, play Earth AD. It's like, okay, here's another slow one. You know, and we would just laugh our asses off. And we loved being hated, you know. It was great. I forget what you were what your question was if there was one. No, I just we were just talking about we were just talking about nerds on the internet just being nerd and doing nerdy shit. But you oh bring... yeah, no, no. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go right. ahead. Go ahead. You go no, ahead. I'm go just ahead. saying. I'm yeah. I'm just yeah. Let's not talk about that anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk. Yeah, that's boring and stupid. We're not going to talk about that. Um, no, you bring up okay. So the thing that I love about Sam Hain. We're actually kind of going out of order. I wanted to talk, but let's just do it now because we're going to forget. The thing that I love so much about Sam Hain, Sam Hain is a weird, crazy fucking band. I mean, you have to like kind of stand back when, you know, it's easy to do this with it being history now. You kind of stand back and it's like, who is Sam Hain playing with? They're playing with all these hardcore bands. What the fuck are they playing? This guy's just come off of making this record called Earth AD doing this like super fast, hardcore thrash, whatever you want to call it. And now he's got a song. He's got songs like macabre. And I sit sometimes I sit and I listen 
to a song like Macabre or The Shift or The Howl or whatever. And I'm just like, I'm just like blown away by like, what what the fuck is this? And it's like, it's exactly what you said. It's like, it's like, give me Misfits, play faster. No, I'm going to play this really slow song called Macabre, Spiritus, Succubus, Life is Pain sort of stuff. And it's like the, it's like the counterculture to the counterculture in a weird kind of way. Well, first of all, we weren't really playing with hardcore bands. Sam Hain, like, only opened up for um, uh, the big boys, and that was only because it was in Austin. Otherwise, Sam Hain was already, like, we, you know, because Glenn had already built up the Misfits thing, the Misfits were, like, the biggest band next to, like, Black Flag. Um, you know, we we didn't have to, we didn't play with anybody. They just, like they would beg to, to get on the bill, you know, these bands or be friends with Glenn or whatever. So we weren't even involved in the hardcore scene. All the hardcore stuff was happening around and before, um, by really by 84 hardcore was dying out. Like the guys, the guys that I knew that were in hardcore bands were all evolving into other kinds of bands. And most of them wanted to go metal. You know what I mean? Which was weird because, it was everything everybody hated, but the more they got exposed to it, they were like, yeah, but they were getting the aggression and the heaviness and just the sound of it. And they could still be angry, you know, and, you know, SSD, they were starting to go. And we thought their, their last record was black metal. It was slow. It was like, you know, real crunchy and all this stuff. The, the FUs went, when turned into the straw dogs and they were going metal, you know, but it was metal to us, but it wasn't like black Sabbath metal. You know, it was just, it wasn't just fast as you can, you know, like kind of shit that hardcore always was. And it was just different. And maybe everybody was evolving and getting older and, you know, had other influences happening and stuff. So Sam Hain was just a thing all unto its own, sort of just like the Misfits were. The Misfits never fit in anywhere, you know? Um, even though they were, you know, in that whole hardcore scene the, pretty much the whole time, they didn't fit in. They were above all that stuff, you know? And they really weren't punk rock anymore because they got in too late and all those bands exploded and the, there was really wasn't any punk rock except for the Ramones, you know? So the Misfits weren't really punk rock either, you know? Hmm. So it, it wasn't a, it was a familiar place we were already in because it had already happened, you know, with the Misfits. Um, how you wouldn't, I wouldn't describe sometimes I feel like journalists that don't know what Sam Hain is, they always call it, they always use the word metal to describe Sam Hain, which I think is kind of like not correct. I think it's like a ridiculous word to associate with a band like Sam Hain. Yeah, I've never heard, I've never, I've never heard that. I oh, also I've read it. Danzig, Dan, Danzig yeah. wasn't a metal band either, as far as I'm concerned. Danzig was just, an, you know, what Sam Hain became. And because of those other influences, it it was more metal like, you know, because the guys in the band didn't hate Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin or for John's case, like Iron Maiden, you know. So, but yeah, for Sam Hain, our the influences 
the stuff that Glenn was listening to and stuff that I was listening to um, were very similar. And if I heard something I liked, I might say, hey, you should listen to this. But he was older. He was getting more free records and hearing about shit. So he was telling me, oh, you should check this out. Or he would make me records, uh, make me tapes or give me a 45 from whoever. You know, so I remember listening during the whole Sam Paint period. I remember listening to uh, Fetus, uh, Birthday Party, Bauhaus, Alien Sex Fiend, um, some other industrial stuff that I can't remember the names, but that's back when the industrial was really industrial. Um, and I, I love that. They were just used, going to a junkyard and just putting on a show, you know, just using all the metal that was around. It was great. Um, yeah, so metal's definitely a wrong way. Sam Hain was a goth band as far as I was concerned. Absolutely. We were like a psycho goth band, you know. Death, um, death rock by was, way of hardcore. Yeah. yeah, but we but we had but we had the um we had all those images and all that stuff, but the funny thing is a lot of the bands that we liked. Hold on, Erie, Erie, your Erie, Erie, your mic. You just went super far off mic. Oh, how about now? Much better. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, it just it just fell down. No, those bands that we liked or might have listened to, um, they all had the same influences. You know, like, oh, birthday party. Well, who who was the singer in the birthday party? Oh, wait a minute. He likes Elvis. Jesus. Oh, so who likes Elvis? Glenn likes Elvis. Erie likes Elvis too. And then Peter Murphy. Well, he likes David Bowie. Well, I think Glenn and uh, Jerry liked Bowie. You know, I know who Bowie is. My sister was a Bowie fan. Like everybody was all around the same ages, you know, and had a lot of the same influences. So basically, I thought we were kind of like a goth band with still those other influences but glenn was going through a real different period he he got to break away from the misfits and got to do all the stuff he wanted to do before so it was a great new beginning and he was just indulging himself that's why stuff is so crazy and there's still some sort of misfitsy kind of songs in there every once in a while you know um but it was a transitional period for him that's why people can't figure it out but I will tell you, I have read a lot. Every time I've ever read anything about Sam Hain from like whatever, like the Brooklyn, whatever, just like any, any like, like blog online music thing, they always use the word metal. And I think it's just so inaccurate. I just wanted to. Uh, uh, Who are these people? Just, Who just are these pe- people uninformed. Were they there? No, uninformed, uninformed yeah, music um, journalists who don't know not, how to write about it. You know, they don't know how to write about it. You know, you know who you should ask what it was like and what their impressions were of Sam Hain. I don't know me, uh, Glenn, Steve, and Dave and uh, Pete. That's it. Anybody else does not know because they weren't there. Right. They weren't doing it, so they can't. They can say whatever they want. They don't know. And I'm giving you my side of it. Right. Um, Glenn will remember some of the stuff the same way. He'll remember other things that he probably either never told me or forgot to tell me or didn't think wouldn't agree with, but probably not a lot. Um, I have no idea what Pete was thinking the entire time. Um, I still don't know. Can um, I, tell- and I don't know what, what side Steve was on because 
uh, we never hung out, so I had no idea what he what he was thinking about the band or at all. You know what I mean? Well, I I've actually I, well, I spoke to both Steve and Pete, and I, in particular Pete. What's what interesting? Did Pete, what, what did Pete think the band was? Well, you know, I asked Pete. I said, Pete, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Actually, this yeah, is so would really I. okay. Okay, <laughs> and 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 additionally. You said something in an interview that made my jaw drop because it's something I asked Pete about and Pete wasn't sure, but maybe you'd be sure. So you said before they ever got before you guys ever had the, the Bullwinkle skull for Sam Hain that there was artwork. There was like Michael Myers from Halloween inspired artwork with the eyes gouged out and whatnot. And I asked Pete, I said, look, all this stuff kind of tracks in my mind from like studying this stuff. Uh, 1981 Halloween two comes out, right? Right. Glenn also writes Archangel for Dave Vanian. Um, the word Sam Hain is written in blood in Halloween two. And I, I said to Pete, I was like, I wonder if that's where Glenn first became interested in the concept of Sam Hain. And Glenn's always said, yeah, I read books and I'm very well read and blah, 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 blah. And I, I'm the, obviously I'm sure he is. But I always, there's something in like my, I just always felt like he watched hollow cause he watched a lot of horror movies. And like he watched Halloween two, saw Sam Hain written in blood on the wall. And then when you said the thing about, um, about the Halloween artwork, the, the Michael Myers artwork, I was like, uh -huh. damn, I wonder if that's the, that's what sent him down the rabbit hole of like, I want to read about Sam Hain watching Halloween two. And I wonder. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Well, for all, all you, you know, you crazy people that like to do make all a big deal out of all this crap. Um, I'll tell you, I'll give you some info here that you'll probably like. Okay. So what probably happened was he was reading. I know he was reading a lot of books. Um, he could have come across a book about Sam. He could have came across a passage or something that piqued his interest and then went to the movies and then saw it on the wall and went, Hey, wait a minute. And that's the, that hey is that they're 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 calling michael myers the shape which they they call him now but back then they didn't call him the shape i don't recall but that he and he glenn told me that the michael myers was supposed to be the shape or the god of sam hain and that was the whole connection and all that and yeah i think a few happy accidents you bump into a, a you know, uh, an article here, you hear something there, the, there it is uh, on a movie. We could have been called Red Rum if he had gone to see The Shining. How do you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, every everybody knows by now. They've picked apart all the references, all the artwork, all the fonts. Every single thing that Glenn ever did artwork-wise has now been reduced to this movie poster or that, you know, that font from this book, but mostly movie posters. And he got this from this, and he got that from here, and as they began, like, and it's like, yeah, I, 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 I guarantee Glenn never thought anybody would ever catch on, you know, because it was just, and I know exactly what was going on. Um, it was just like, oh man, that's so cool. I'm just gonna use it. Right. Fuck it. Nobody's gonna remember. Nobody's right. gonna care. That was basically right. we're gonna we're gonna sell five thousand records. Who gives a shit? You know, right. you can't see what are you going to sue me that, you know, that's a real Chuck Biscuits attitude. What are you going to sue me? Go ahead. 
<laughs> get it out of me. That's what he used to say. So, yeah, that's that's the whole deal. But it makes me laugh that you people find out all these things and they, they then you put them next to each other and say, see, he just got it from here. He, this is what he did, see? You know, all this stuff. It, you know, that was in his own idea. Look, look at all the movie titles. Well, that song has, that movie has nothing to do with <laughs> that song. It's just a title. I don't even know what he's talking about. You know, and all this stuff, and all these theories and all this crap. I mean, and Glenn doesn't know anything about it. We, he, but we totally, love, totally we, but we love it. We love doing this. We love the, it's a mystery to unravel. It's like, like for instance, on Unholy Passion, the, 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 the girl on the cover of Unholy Passion, somebody figured out that that's actually that the body, not the face, the body comes yeah. from a playmate from like 1982 or something from a playboy and matched it up perfectly yeah. perfectly yeah it's the playmate it's the playmate of the year from like 84 or crazy no it's earlier than that it's uh candy loving was her name now now um sorry go ahead that makes total sense and he never told me that for sure but once i heard that story i'm like yeah that's probably right because you got to remember glenn didn't have a car he had a walk wherever he could go, so he got things through the mail, which you could get his Playboy subscription delivered. You didn't have to go anywhere. Right. And um, the only places he could really go was, like, the grocery store around the corner, um, maybe up to the boulevard to get some chicken. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I could see that's where he got it from. I never liked it. It was, you know, he practically did it on, like, a cocktail napkin. You know, it was like that size. And he showed it to me and he's like, I was going to use this for Misfits. Uh, we were going to do a single Devil's Whorehouse, but we never did it. So I wanted to use it for the new cover. And I'm like, sure, whatever. You know, and then he blew it up. It's awful. It's like the worst cover I've ever seen. Okay. Additional, additional question about, okay. Additional question about this cover. There are stairs. There's more to the cover. It's my understanding. The cover actually extends past those 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 bars, which are supposed to be stairs, and that there's more to the image. Do you remember what is? What no, there isn't more. There isn't. I saw oh, it. He, he, he like showed it to me. No, there isn't. No. Hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to like destroy these myths, and you, these crazy stories. You, you ruined it, Erie. You ruined it. Yes, yeah, there wrong isn't. With you? Damn there it. There isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, and those and uh, the stairs are like you know if those are stairs, I don't know what because his perspective was usually pretty good. But that's pretty terrible perspective. They just look like a series of black bars. Um, yeah, there's nothing. That's the image. That's what he showed me, and it was drawn like um, I swear to God, um, you know the size of a CD cover. Yeah, you know when it was that small jewel cases. Yeah, yeah, it's about that big. Yeah. Wow. 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 Wow, wow. Wow.
to go to go back real quick we were talking about pete and what pete some things that pete thought about the band oh yeah what did pete, yeah what did, what was pete's perception of the band so i said to pete i said pete i, I want to hear from a guy who was playing guitar for the band like what how do you describe, because I'm not a musician, and I, I always like to put that disclaimer out there. I'm not a musician. I, I love music, but I it's hard. You know, there are certain concepts that I don't have the language. So I say, Pete, from a musician's perspective, explain to me, can you, like, describe what's unique about Sam Haynes' music? And this is what he said. He said, he said, and, and people have disagreed with what he said, by the way. He's not, I've, other people have said it's not, that's not really the case. He said that it's not really blues based. He said that the music it's it's um, he said that the and, and this is what's this actually we're, we're now we're kind of jumping all over the place. But he you know, he said that when he got out of the band that it took him quite a while, like over a year or something to stop playing the way that he was playing in Sam Hain because he <laughs> had to play a very particular way. Right, yeah, I I believe that. And That's funny. Yeah, if he was telling me right now, I'd be laughing, and I he, was, you know. He he said that it was. He said, and then here's another thought that I had, and this is again pure speculation. Pure speculation. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'll, one second. Pure no, I still I still write, I still write like that because of the way Glenn writes. You know what I mean? It's like, etched into you. He, he, those things that you know that's the reason i was in the band you know because that thing made sense to me that kind of those kind of minor chords and those spooky tones and things that stuff all made me go yeah dude it's that, angular that's cool it's angular yeah it's just not normal it, right. It's disturbing and it doesn't, not everybody does it. And everybody goes, oh, that sounds creepy or that sounds weird. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be doing. You know, so I can totally believe that Pete had a stop thing. It's the same thing that Allison Chains has, that Jerry Cantrell, the way he does. And his minor, I think John explained it to me, like minor thirds and musician stuff like that. Hmm. Like, the, you know, like he just, he explained what he was actually doing with his harmony singing and the way he was writing the guitar parts. And I just said, yeah, you know what I think? I think it's fucking cool and it's real spooky you know, and Lane was just so like, oh, man, he was like a living dead girl, that kind of thing, you know. And so I didn't care, but I knew I liked it. So I still write stuff like that. There's still like bridges and little things that I go, yeah, I'm just going to do with this because that's the way I the song goes. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And then Pete had to go back to playing just plain old blues rock or, or just booze rock with uh, Iggy Pop, you know? Well, here's the other interesting, I think, it's, I don't know if this is irony or what. Now let's fast forward to after the new, what is it, the new music seminar? What's it called? New music seminar? Am yeah, I right? I guess, yeah. I don't know. Whatever, the, the Rich Show in 86, the final Sam Hain Show. Oh, yeah, Sam yeah, Hain yeah. Show, I, right? thought you meant, I thought you meant currently. Yeah, new no, music no, 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 back then. Yeah. yeah, new music seminar at the Ritz. And, you know, um, Pete is... Uh, Pete leaves the band. Pete's Pete's uh, sacked from the band, and I wonder. I was talking about this with the guy from Voice of Doom, John Steele from Voice of Doom, and and I was like, "Do you? I wonder what if, the hell does he know about it? 
Well, no, I was just no. We were just we were just talking. He's a big Sam Hain fan too. We were just talking about it. Oh, and, oh, oh, you were yeah, just yeah, talking yeah. about it. No, no, no. We're just we just we were just pontificating, speculating, and stuff. And I wonder if <laughs> I rot the irony in that he get gets into Sam Hain by playing that style only for Ruben to be like, I don't like the way that he's playing guitar. You need somebody else. And almost the fact that he plays Sam Hain music is what ultimately leads to him to leaving Sam Hain because he plays guitar like that. Do you think that there's that that plays that 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 that, that there's any like weight to that? Were you guys high when you were talking about this? No, I just it just came, it just came. <laughs> no, it just came to me because it's like he's only playing this like Sam Hain style of music and Ruben has plans to take, you know, you know, the, uh, whatever, whatever it's going to turn into eventually, obviously it's going to turn to Danzig, take this band and reform it and reshape it and strip it and yada, yada, yada. Um, and in that, that if, if, if Pete maybe wasn't playing as Sam Hain as he played, that maybe it, it wouldn't have led to the way it led. I don't know. It was just, it just an interesting sort of, uh, observation all right, all right, all right. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, pick that apart for a minute um go right so ahead what a lot of people a lot of people don't remember or didn't never knew is that like rick rubin was in the punk rock band rick rubin was a punk rock guy before he was a rapper you know or a rap guy um so he understood and probably well i'm not saying he understood that's probably a wrong way to put it i think he liked um the aggressiveness of it probably and i'm just speculating but he was a punk rock guy. So you don't just, something draws you in. The punk rock's like a calling, you know? Not everybody stays, but the, the, the ones, the real ones, you can, they're still the same as they were when they were 15 or 20 years old. You know, they still have that inner, it's in their soul, you know? So he wasn't exactly like that. But so he shouldn't have been so put off by, um, you know, Pete's um, playing because Pete's just a straight ahead Ace Freely, Johnny Thunder's kind of rock and roll guitar player, you know, and those those guys, those are the best that everybody wants. The guys that play with Keith Richards, you know, guys like that, rock and roll guitar players. And if Rubens liked the, you know, he liked what he heard or whatever, what was he hearing then? Like he probably he old he liked Glenn, he liked Glenn's voice or whatever you like. Seeing Glenn live. Yeah, it's all about him thrashing around and acting like a, a maniac. But um, you can't really hear him sing at a live gig because he's always pulling a mic away from his mouth and stuff. So I, I think he just liked Glenn's presence and the whole vibe of the thing and like the the, the audience reaction and all stuff. And he instantly saw something that he could build on, you know. So I don't think Pete had anything to do with the way he played or and that was basically you know glenn's notes that he he wanted him to play you know the right that's the I, that's the I, irony of it though you know yeah but that's that i don't but i don't think that's the case i'm not that's what i mean gotcha that's not, gotcha what gotcha. you were saying is not the case right yeah gotcha, gotcha. so what happened was Pete, Pete wasn't the right guy for the band because the band was changing glenn's songs were evolving and pete was 
was not fitting in. That's just all it was. He wasn't the right guy. It had nothing to do with, like, you know, Ruben could have came in and said, you can't play, like they could say with me. Well, you could say, yeah, well, that's true. But you couldn't say that about Pete. Um, it's just he wasn't the right guy for the band that was it was becoming. Because obviously, because the band, John Christ was the guy. You know what I mean? So Pete needed to go, and he needed to go play with Iggy Pop for eight years, which he probably would never trade for anything. Oh, definitely you not. Know? So, definitely not. Yeah, no, everything everything worked works for a it worked reason, out. You know? Yeah. 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 Sure did. Um, and what's interesting too, what's interesting too is wait, where was I just going to go with that? Oh yeah. So what I wanted to, I want to pivot for a split second to these mysterious Sam Hain video cassettes. And it seems that Glenn Danzig is finally getting to fulfill his directorial dreams now, but all the way back, all the way back, he had been talking about, yeah, I'm going to direct these horror cassettes. We're going to put them out on plan nine, blah, 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 blah. What kind of talk was it? Do you remember any talk about these horror cassettes? Was there ever a plan to shoot some Sam Hain themed horror stories that were going to be put out on plan nine that you were aware of? Or was that something that he only talked about in interviews? whatnot? I don't remember talking about it in too many interviews, but he and I talked about it all the time. It was it was like no big deal, and especially since um, I think it might have been around the time when VHS had overtaken Betamax, and it was like a big thing with porn, you know. And um, Glenn was way into porn, so um, he said, "Why don't we make videos?" Because MTV was happening, so why don't we make videos? Um, and we don't even have to be in them. We can make like little stories or we can just use our songs would we'll just be the soundtrack to these videos. Like we don't have to be in them. We can be in them if we want, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, like, so we were talking about that. And then one day I remember I said, why don't we just do porn, man? Like, like, let's do porn with like blood and like all <laughs> kinds of crazy shit. You know, I said, I said, fuck it. If, we're going to put these out and sell them through, through like plan nine, like through the mail and stuff. Who fucking cares? Like, you know, just because Best Buy or whoever was at the right. time isn't right. going to carry them does, doesn't mean we can't sell them at gigs and stuff, you know, because we, you know, we didn't have much distribution, but it would have just been for the experience and the fact that we could give them to our friends and stuff. And it was just like in the old days, you know, just that kind of shit. Well, you but, did yeah, have we a... talked about it. Just, um, didn't Sorry, just, it just never came, you know, came to fruition. And plus, then when the Danzig thing started happening, you know, it was easier just for Glenn to say, OK, this is what I want to write a storyboard and then just have a director and cameras already there and stuff like we didn't have to go out and buy cameras and do all all the work ourselves because it was, you know, it would have been easier if 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 it was today where we could have done it all on like really good phone cameras and things like that or really good digital cameras back then you had to buy film you know so the, the video cameras were terrible you know what's interesting is right after that it does sort of manifest in the danzig home cassette and danzig you know the danzig one and danzig two home cassettes because of everything that's going on you're not getting airplay on like mtv or whatever because of the videos or whatnot so you just end up putting out 
the cassettes do come out. They just don't come out in that kind of way, which is kind of interesting how that eventually sort of worked. Itself yeah, out. well, that's this is, you know, right. It, that was the whole thing when it was, yeah, the home video things would just be for our fans. And uh, we knew that they wanted them. And we got, then we, got, you know, Glenn got to indulge in his other thing, which is, you know, making films or horror movies or whatever. And it was just like, yeah, we know no one's going to show these. So we'll just make it for our people and fuck everybody else. That's just the way it always was. So now I don't, I totally understand him wanting to do movies makes total sense. Um, especially being with his personality, he's perfect for, for a director. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah, everybody, everybody listens to the director. The director tells everybody what to do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing and the fact that you know he's that he he'll just jump into something and you know and always i don't know it's just it doesn't surprise me at all and i hope he does uh does it for a long time and it makes him me happy too because you me know too. i um i think um he he still has he still has good ideas i he just needs he needs to come he needs like a collaborator to tell he needs you producers. He needs producers. No, no, no. Producers are just getting the weight because that's all they care about is money and, and being involved and being able to tell people that they're doing this stuff. No, he needs like, like almost like a songwriting partner or somebody like a Rick Rubin, who's more like a friend rather than, you know, like this mythical creature, you know? Um, so, yeah, he needs somebody else to bounce stuff off of who he trusts and who he likes. And and then, like, one guy writes and one guy directs or one guy writes, you know, whatever. Right. You know, somebody who compliments what he does or the what he doesn't do, somebody else picks up the slack. That's what I think he, he needs. But that'll never happen. Yeah, I think... Um, never, never um, he'll i think he'll keep doing it i think i hope i hope he has a lot of fun with it because because then he can still uh do the soundtracks and be in complete control right and never have to even worry about anybody liking it or not and that's really what he does he wants to do what he wants and fuck you and i'm gonna keep doing it and it's it's great i mean that's that's punk rock till the day you die. But it's a lot easier to do that when you're getting a million a show, you know, it's like, sure. You can sure. tell people to go to hell when you're rich, you know, million five. Um, the, have you seen either one of his films? Oh no. Uh, how would I see them? I don't know. They're like, they're like out there. I've, I've seen both of them. They're interesting. I, I think if he keeps doing it, he's going to get better and better and better. He's got to keep practicing. And yes, you're right. I When I say producer, I'm thinking of more like a creative producer, not like a money producer. Somebody who... Oh, yeah. the Yeah, but they all think they know what they're talking about. That's the problem. But like someone who like... You know, like yeah, I know. Like, like, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like Glenn speaks in abstract ideas. Like I want this, this, and this. And then a creative producer goes, okay, so we, the way we would do that would be, you know, this, this, and this, and this. So, so and then, you all, know, right, like, all right. So Glenn has the idea and then this guy makes it happen. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, exactly. Kind yeah. of. I, I think that would, that would be a better way to facilitate Glenn's 
vision in that kind of way and you know but that is a dude you know that's the thing about all the you know jerry and glenn in in general these are guys that have always been in control or want to be in control of their image of what they're doing artistically and it has to be you know it's a pinpoint you know it and that the at the top of the pinpoint is one person there's no, you, there can't be multiple people, and that's that's how these guys operate. That's how they've always operated. Yeah, it's it's, it's a lot of e, it's a lot of ego, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the more blunt, uh, matter of fact way to say it. Yes, it, it's it just really comes down to ego. That's that's one of the first things Glenn Glenn and I talked about. He goes, "Oh, you got to be an egomaniac if you're in a band in the first place," you know. And I was just like, yeah, and um, everybody, I was a ham from like, you know, out of the womb. So I totally understand that. But as I grow older and much wiser, um, and especially when having a lot of relationships over the years, you learn that um, sometimes you got to go along to get along, you know. Right. And that sometimes, sometimes, uh, most times I find that it's more fun to say here's the song i just came up with play the whole song and then go what do you think and then hand it off to somebody else and see what they do with it rather than just saying hey you guitar play exactly what i tell you to that, right. how much fun is that um so now you now two people are not having fun you know so when you said yeah okay so glenn's the idea guy and what he needs is a facilitator somebody who sees his brilliance and his vision and makes him happy by making it come true yeah that, that reminds me of somebody who played guitar. um uh i think that was john christ that did that like in the first band you know it was just like glenn would come in and say yeah it sounds like it's like yeah, you know that one record it's like yeah, it's like and he'd be oh mean like this it's like yeah but a little bit higher oh like this yeah that's it yeah there you go so he needs that to happen for movie maybe he needs more than one person maybe he needs like a band of people well you do if you're you a, a crew like a you need a crew you you need a crew but you know yeah, what's interesting like yeah. but but you know what's interesting Erie? it's funny that you say that everything mm. you just said because look at look at the secret sauce for the first seven years of danzig the the, the personnel remains locked in place because that hierarchy exists right you guys do four records together and an ep and some you know a whole bunch of stuff two two vhs cassettes three three if you include how the gods kill but it's like that formula is in place and it creates this stable lineup that is incredibly productive it's interesting it's interesting yeah it's just it's just like a recipe that's the whole thing and so glenn right now hasn't hasn't um he's going to be learning and getting better on his own but i think he he needs and this happens in the movie business a lot he needs to find somebody who's maybe a writer or a director sure something that just that just is going to have a dinner with him or something or going to go going to go see a movie and then talk and go like why don't we get together and do something he needs somebody like that and i think it, when that happens he's going to do stuff that that people are going to look at that are as good as some of the records you know and uh that's yeah i could see that happening i want to talk to you about archangel 
and the evolution from the Dave Vanian from the Dave Vanian version all the way up to the Sam Hain version. You've talked about previously in interviews, or at least I remember you because you've corrected me several times. I remember you talking <laughs> about an interview. See, I'm 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 covering my my bases there. I'm remembering that you uh, said that you know it's like. You don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of time in the studio. You know, tape is expensive and whatnot. So I imagine that Archangel, the Archangel that Dave Vanian had, probably winded up being the Archangel on the final on the final record after you know whatever however many revisions you guys made to the tape. What do you remember? What it was before it, before it got into Sam Hain and was like a Sam Hain track. Do you remember uh, that track being discussed at all, or Glenn discussing that track, or as you're forming Sam Hain? Hey, I got this song, Archangel. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Blah blah blah. Anything like that? Yeah, as far as I can remember, he had already um, either recorded it with um, Al from Reagan Youth playing bass. And I don't really know what happened or how that came about because I didn't care, you know. I it's not my favorite song, um, and I don't even remember if if I play. I must have played on. I must have overdubbed the bass part because I remember playing on everything else. But um, you know, yeah, I think because Glenn's big on like, well, he's not in the band, he can't play on the record, which I don't understand. But um, so yeah basically i heard the davanian story after that you know like uh, maybe um that from one thing that like that's the same thing that happened with the tour that they never were supposed to go on in the first place you know the misfit tour opening up for the damned you know that kind of thing it was just like from what i understand or what glenn told me it was just like yeah jerry was you know, said, yeah, we got to, you know, we're going to open up for the band and all this. And then he never had a contract. They never had nothing. They just went over there and like got their way in. That's that's what I remember him saying. And um, yeah, so I, I think I heard that Jerry had basically like talked to somebody and said, yeah, you know, Dave's coming over. He's going to do the vocal. And, you know, who knows if he ever even talked to him? I don't know. So, um, yeah, and, and there was a version. I We did a test pressing. I remember getting a test pressing. There was three copies. And the te original test pressing, I think, had the L. Pike bass playing on there. Or the that was that version. And for some reason, like, I don't understand how it was even there. No, 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 that's not the story. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm confusing two different things. Oh, okay. No, the one, he liked the whole record, but he didn't like the archangel version so we got to go remix it or something or remaster that particular part i think i don't even know if you can do that but yeah i think we had to go remix it and then because the first three pressings had a mix he didn't like and he scratched it out so you couldn't play it explain explain like, that really? to me explain explain that to me <laughs> So he literally just physically took some sort of implement and was like, you know, like a nail or something. Yeah. yeah. Cause he didn't want anybody to hear it. Yeah. I mean, Weird. come on. It gave me a copy. He had a copy. He usually, if I think we need to, when you do test pressing, they give you like one or two or three, sometimes five, if you ask for a couple more, but generally you only, you know, they only like, here's one. And that's all you need. 
Um, so, but I do remember having one that was all scratched out. I was just like, oh, okay. But I didn't give a shit about any of that. You know, no. that whole record, you know, to me, uh, it's, it's a, I think the songs were great because they were really fun to play and all, but I just wish it sounded more like November Coming Fire, you know, because it's just the songs are, you could put them all together. Like if you had a band that could play them all and make it sound like they were all from the same time period, the songs do fit well together. It's just um, the production on each of the records is so weird, you know. Varied. They just, <laughs> yeah. Then, well, November was like the best record I thought we, you know, that we ever did, and I was very happy with that. We worked hard on that, um, and it was just it evolved. Sound was was much better. I wish we had recorded it somewhere else, but um, but I remember the whole. Um, unholy passion sessions and stuff were really weird and it was a weird period um like why, stuff why we was that listening to was, well we were just in kind of a me and glenn were just kind of in a mood and it was i remember things were just like i don't know all the stuff we were listening to was real tribally and just real heavy and just it would just kind of make you crazy you know, and plus I was already that way from the hardcore stuff that always made me crazy anyway. And I still am. I can't put on certain records and drive or else I'm in trouble, you know. It's like driving next to Erie, driving next to Erie, and you just look out the window and Erie's like just going just going yeah, nuts. Going, <laughs> go, yeah, exactly. I see I, I try not to do that anymore. And there's just certain things that just there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It just it just comes out. So anyway, yeah. yeah, we were in kind of a nutso period. Um, and that's why the songs and he was going through some his own emotional shit, I'm sure. <laughs> Which we never talked about that stuff either. Um that the, all the songs were just I, I, I thought they were great, but they're really fucked up. And I said, no one's going to get this. But th that wasn't the point. The point was like, I'm in a really cool band and this guy's writing some fucked up shit. I don't know what he's talking about on this record, but it sure feels good. and It's fun to play. So I'm just going to shut up and play bass, you know? So, so, but he, so I got to sit behind the board and stuff because I was on board for whatever you want to do. I'm doing it too. You know, it's just like, come on. And so I think that's why he kept me around. Um, so we tried to mix the record once, um, and him and I just we said move, we're gonna do it. So we just said we don't know nothing. Like is this like I know shit now, but back then we didn't know nothing because the Glenn never did anything. He he, I I know how he mixed records. He didn't know nothing. Um, you got to EQ things. You got to you can pan things. You can put this in stereo. You can do this. You can make you can mirror that thing. You can do this. You can do a fade. You actually do a mix while you're running it onto tape. You know, like there's all kinds of shit you had to do. So he, he and I would just go, all right. Here's the bass and make it as heavy as you possibly could. Here's the drums, make them as heavy as you possibly can. Here's the guitars, they gotta sound like this, and then they put the vocal on top. And you're sitting there with those really expensive speakers. And you're at the studio and you're like, wow, that's fucking cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah, make we're done. Make us tapes of that and uh 
we'll be booking time for next week to do something else or whatever. And we get home like the next day or, you know, that night. He calls me and goes, yeah, we got to go mix that again because it sounds like crap. And I was like, yeah, really? Because it sounds terrible to me, too. Um, that's like Bobby Steele <laughs> telling the story about mixing Night of the Living Dead, not knowing how to mix. And the way it's recorded, there's no separation between Jerry and Bobby. Jerry has a giant amp. Bobby has a really small amp. And there's so much bleed through. And now they're trying to mix the record. And they're not really mixing anything. They're just pushing everything up. It's like the, the this is too loud, so push this up. This is too loud, so push this up until everything. Yeah, they, like, right. They also don't know how to do it because they've never had an experience. There's ways the people, you know, longer you do it, it's like, yeah, that's their first instinct is to go, well, that's not loud enough. You keep it up, keep up. No, you gotta you gotta remember once you start pushing things up and frequencies have to do with everything and all of a sudden their bass is in the same frequency as your guitar or whatever there was no there's no separation yeah so that makes total sense you know that he at that particular time nobody knew what they were doing you know and then here's another thing whenever i listen to the hungry end do you know what it kind of reminds me of i don't know i haven't heard it forever the hungry end it kind of reminds me of a surf song a little bit the bass part Oh yeah, yeah. Um, right? Yeah, that 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 could be because Glenn would have been the right age for the whole surf thing to take to be an influence, and that's just about when you're when you're writing a song or when you're you know looking for a part or whatever. So yeah, that could that makes total sense. He would have been like nine or ten when the surf thing was going real good. <laughs> I just always heard the hungry end and I'm going and then and then of course that talking about what Pete's playing this crazy guitar this super weird sustained I guess it's one note is he is he sustaining one note he's going that's like he's just playing one note yeah it's just one note over and over and over again it's so weird yeah or just it's like it's like a bastard chord like it's probably a two we did a lot of two note stuff right you know we did a lot of two 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 note stuff uh, everything was the minor you know right you know and like i said i still i still do that because it just sometimes there's nothing like it but yeah and it was a lot of uh bombast which you know glenn you see that till this day you know he's very big fan of making a spectacle and Mm -hmm. you know uh just everything has got to be like that except for i don't know the light show when when we were when we were doing the band he he liked only a, a couple of lights and i was just like i saw some film of the misfits show and i was like jesus did you leave any lights in the truck christ you know there was so much going on i was like is this a pink floyd show with pumpkins you know right um, oh you're talking it, about now was, you're I, talking about now yeah 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 of course well back then the misfits used to turn the you know when they played a cafeteria you know you turn those big overhead lights on that's a, that's a light show for them they never you know they never had light shows in punk you know punk rock and hard mostly hardcore was like yeah the band's on stage you turn the lights on that's it you know so here's what's really interesting concurrently to the sam Haynes stuff and i've also heard you say this in interviews the idea of leverage with plan nine distributors want 
misfits records and you guys are doing sam hayne it's like look i'll give you some misfit stuff but you're going to take sam hayne as well and parallel to the releases that are happening in sam hayne all of a sudden you have i can't you know i try to imagine what it would be like to be a fan of the misfits back then it's like oh earth ad comes out that's it and then all of a sudden boom here's three songs that you didn't even know existed die die my darling unless you went to a live show that is die die my darling we bite and mommy can i go out and kill tonight at least the studio version of it and it's like they're just more material and then and then there's legacy of brutality the very next year which is all this other stuff like whoa what's this What's this other stuff that I've never even heard before? And um, what was the, do you remember the behind the scenes of Legacy of Brutality at all around that time? Because it was 85, it's around the time you're doing Unholy Passion, I would imagine, or maybe a little bit earlier. What do you remember about that? See, I'm trying to remember if there was like, because I think we, the Caroline deal started in like 84, because Die Die came out and Initium came out at the same time. So that's what that's the leverage I was referring to was like, well, you know, if you don't take the Sam Hain record, you won't I won't give you the new Mr. record that's coming out or whatever. You know, it was always good. That was always fun. Um so he just he does the Caroline thing, and their distribution is good because dealing with dis- distributors back then was really a pain in the ass. Um, you had to box everything up, and then you got to wait ninety days um, for them to pay you, and they would send you back all the returns. You know, instead of paying you what they agreed upon, they would pay you less because they would send you back ones that didn't sell. And then you're out of money and you were stuck for 90 days anyway. But anyway, so Caroline was a good deal. And we were, you know, it, it's, he, they might have said, hey, well, you got anything else? You know, or have you thinking about doing any, you know, putting out any other stuff, you know? So that could have been the impetus to, to get him off his ass to do uh, Legacy because I think he always wanted the Static Age stuff to come out, but. He some he probably had in the back of his mind that well we'll do it proper down the road you know if need be so what he, what made the most sense was to just give give the people nothing take them crazy and throw on a couple other things you know because that's the only place that he could have released uh, American Nightmare so that was a big deal right right. Um, Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know. But I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, 
uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. So right now, I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers, and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. (laughs) The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents. So, you throw that in there, some static aid stuff, some stuff that people who only saw them live would remember. You know, um, and lo and behold, you do that. And I was, yeah, I was in the studio when he was working on that stuff because he was transferring some of the mix down tapes that were like two inch tapes. And he wanted to overdub bass parts. And he asked me if I wanted to play bass on that. And I said, oh, I don't know the songs. And he was like, oh, they're easy. I'll tell you how they go right now. Um, and I was just like, no, I don't want to do that because I'm a big one for not messing with history, you know? And it's just like, it's just like the way you don't re refinish an old table. It's just supposed to be that way. You leave it alone, you know, put some lemon oil on it. So I, I didn't want him to remix the stuff at all. I just wanted him to what they call these days remastering where you just sequence it and put it out in a different order with a different cover and a maybe colored vinyl. And that's it. But he went in and laid bass tracks over some of Jerry's old bass tracks, and it's just terrible. Um, it but just, he put it, it right the on weird... the master tape? He put it right on top of the master tape? No, no. He transferred the master tapes to probably another master tape. Um, and then what he did was put a bass track alongside that. Like, you know what I mean? Like Because it's still there. It a, Jerry is uh, still there. Bobby is still there. Yeah, yeah still I know there. that. Oh yeah, well he didn't do, didn't do any guitar stuff, but um, he did some bass stuff uh, because he either didn't wasn't happy with the way it sounded, which he could have fixed, 
or he didn't like what Jerry was playing and he wanted to do something else. So he would have both of them, but he would put his up a little bit higher. So that's where you get sort of that, you know, over heavy sound, you know. He didn't do, wait, he didn't do any guitar tracks? I don't think so. Huh. I mean, I'd have to listen. I'd have to listen to the stuff and then compare it with the the original right. mixes that I have, which is not going to happen because you right. like you right now. You all you got is the Caroline version, um, or the Legacy version. I have the original mixes, uh, but you know, fuck if I know where they are. You Wait, know? so the original so mixes that's the that only you way have. I know. The original mixes that you have, like, for instance, you were talking about that eight track tape that you had that that exists somewhere in some way, shape or form. That mix is going to be different than whatever was put out in the 90s. Um, Well, on the is is all the static age stuff. Did that all come out on the box set that that came out on the box set? But then they did a separate reissue that had in the doorway on it. And those were done that that was made possible by a mix down tape that was in that was in the possession of uh, Frank. Frank had a mix down tape. I don't think it came from the original masters. I don't know. I don't know. 